What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. Hey, what's up, H-Town, and welcome to episode 18 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky, and my partner, of course, is Jeff Blum. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and uh, watch us on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe, and uh, to keep up with us. You can find us on Twitter, at Believe in Astros, B-L-E-A-V in Astros. Find me at Jeff, at Jeff Balky and Blummer at Blummer27. Uh, send us whatever questions and comments you got. The playoffs are upon us. Uh, one more game. Uh, we do have a sponsor. Hey, man, let's uh, let's let's get it. Let's get it. So football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, like. Major League Baseball, for example, MMA, boxing, tennis, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. And where the game starts today, Blummer, is the last game of the season, uh, a day game at Minute Maid. How are you feeling about your final game uh, and uh, and what are your plans? Are you gonna Are you gonna do any weird <laughs> shout outs? Are you going to uh, uh, burn it all down? <laughs> you, <laughs> what's gonna What What do we Can we expect to hear on the broadcast today? Yeah, I may leave a stain in my chair for all the national <laughs> broadcasts that come in. A little treat for them to you nice. know embrace the rest of the, the rest of the uh, postseason because we don't get to be on the call, but. That's probably the hardest part about it is knowing that the season is coming to an end. This is the last game. And one of the right. interesting things about being a regional you know, s- sports broadcaster is the finality of, of the season. Yeah. You know when it starts and you know when it ends. And they're going to hand it off to the postseason crew, which I know that every fan listening to this absolutely adores and loves. Because I get, uh, I get all the fodder on uh, Twitter saying how much they hate these guys. But uh, yeah. I understand. I respect it. But, uh, you know, until things change, we're just going to have to wear it. But uh, the good thing is the Astros have been in the postseason every time. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where normally I prepare and get ready for a game. But the last day of the season with everything clinched, locked in, ready to go, I may just show up and use that scorecard that they hand out to fans. (laughs) (laughs) You you could slip in like a Baba Booey in there. Yeah, there may uh, be anything today, to be honest with you. I mean, it's it's no holds barred. Yeah, drop in some obscure references to uh, like put in some Seinfeld quotes. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a line from Stripes or something well, gotta, like that. I got Just, a, uh, oh, I love me some uh, Sergeant Holka. You know, yes, getting those in, and uh, I actually got one in <laughs> last night. Uh, oh man, it was from Wedding Crashers. TK said, uh, you know, he was announcing some of the scores. Yeah. He's like. Now they're all locked up. And I said, you lock it up. And you lock it, it up. Kind of, yeah, it kind of flew over his head a little bit. And he gives me that sideways look and keeps moving on. But uh, I, I, I rarely miss an opportunity. 
Well, I always like when he uh, he tells you to do something and then you tell him to do it back. That's always that's always a favorite. That's always a good one. You lock it up is a good one though. You should have you should also mention say, can you get me some crab cakes yeah, you, during the break? Yeah, just slip in any any good movie quotes uh, like that are always appreciated. You know, Matt Bullard when he used to do. Uh, the Rockets games. Loved Bullard. Uh, one of his, one of his favorite things to do was there's a there's a referee uh, whose name is Bill Barnicky, and every time <laughs> he would pull that reference from stripes, he'd be like, "Barnicky, that guy owes me money." <laughs> every every single time, like love clockwork. It. So you got gotta love it. All right, so we've been doing this. We you know we talked last time about what Dusty Baker was going to do over these mm-hmm. last couple series. And we've seen he's gone to this sort of spring training, like grapefruit league type of thing, uh, you know, not giving guys tons of innings. What do you think about that? I mean, I I thought I think it's kind of great, really, uh, to give everybody some spread out time. But um, we didn't think that was going to happen. I know. The way that Dusty was talking about it going into the those last series against the Philadelphia Phillies was that we're going to put out our A team, we're going to try and beat them and, and try and wreck their playoff plans. But... <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, if you start to have more conversations as a manager with people inside the organization, and then you actually go in and talk to those players sometimes, and I think I mentioned that last podcast, you got to talk to the player. You got to be able to get mm-hmm. their insights, see how they're feeling, and adjust to them because who, who are you relying on in the postseason? You need those players to be healthy mentally and physically. Right. They need to be prepared. So I think it is a good idea to give those guys a couple of at bats, keep their eyes trained on the ball moving through the strike zone, having them make good swing decisions, and then get them out of there just, you know, so that it saves that body a little bit. It's, it's very replenishing as a player to know that you have a couple of at bats and then you can go chill out. And I also think, in the, on the other hand, you know, some of those guys in reserve who haven't been seeing regular at bats, yeah, you start to give them regular at bats down the stretch here in these last three games. Guess what? They're going to be better for it because their eye is starting to get trained on that ball moving through the strike zone, and they're going to make better swing decisions. And don't forget that there are some of those guys on that bench that are trying to make a push to make that playoff roster. Yeah. Hundred percent. I, you know, you, you nailed it uh, as always. But you know, I think the thing that's interesting about this too is, um, you know, Jake Myers is back right now. We hadn't seen Jake Myers. He went down to the minors. Now he's playing. You know, you talked about it. it would would it be a possibility he come up and be that guy off the bench, the, your Miles Straw type of guy who can who can pinch run, uh, play defense in a pinch? Although his arm is still not you know what you want it to be. I found that development kind of interesting. It is interesting. And I don't know if you thought about it the same way I did is that, you know, they, they understood that when he was up earlier, something just wasn't right. And I agree with right. you on the arm. I'm, I'm not sure that the throwing motion or the arm is completely back, but there was a little hesitancy in laying out or getting close to a wall or even finishing mm-hmm. with some of those swings that he had because that left shoulder was still bothering him. So they sent him down. He started to rake and he's back. And, I, it, this is where I wonder if you feel the same way I do. They're, they're, the only reason you bring him back is because you feel there's a purpose for him proving himself and potentially being on that roster, right? Yeah, I agree 100%. I think there's no reason that he actually comes back and, and has any time in these in this last series unless they're serious about putting him on that playoff roster. Yeah. And look, I think one of the big things, and this is certainly you know as well as I do, this is a big deal for Dusty, and that's playoff experience. And he mm-hmm. has some, you know. Uh, you, if you're going to make choices between him and say Hensley, 
Well, you're probably going to want to pick the guy who has some experience out there, who doesn't feel like a deer caught in the headlights when, you know, when the big lights are on. And Myers has certainly shown that he can play in the postseason. Now, whether he's 100% back or whether he just becomes a guy who can come off the bench, you know, like we said, pinch run, he is probably the fastest guy on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, and, and we've seen the Astros use that to their advantage uh, in postseason's past. Um, so I could see that. I'm I'm completely with you on that. I think it's it's going to be a real interesting development. Yeah, and you've got do you know possibly Dubon is your you know Diaz yeah. and Dubon can both play the outfield. You've got Chaz right. McCormick who can play corners and center field, and I think has right. been doing a great job in center field. I really do too. Um, it was interesting to watch him start behind Justin Verlander in that game last night. That was the first time he's right. done that since May 10th, I believe. Wow. And then you add Jake Myers, and like you said, he's a he's a versatile outfielder. And maybe right now you could say he's defense first and then speed right. and then hitting. And I think that's to your point where you could see him in a position where Ledmus Diaz or Jordan Alvarez starts in left field. You have the lead in the seventh, eighth, ninth, and you decide to make that uh, make that switch and go defensively and you move him to center. Chaz goes to left and all of a sudden you've got a really good outfield with Tucker, Myers, and McCormick out there. And then you have the option to pinch run for a, for a catcher if you need to or pinch run for a Jordan Alvarez if you feel that's a better option. So the options and the speed are interesting about Jake. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you mentioned him behind Justin Verlander. Clearly, JV did not have any issues with him playing behind him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what else? We, there's nothing left to say about this guy, really. The superlatives are just, they just keep coming. He's, he's clearly the AL Cy Young Award winner. I don't think there's any question whatsoever, regardless of the number of innings pitched. I mean, a 1.75. I, I read the stat last night that the only person... In the, uh, I guess the wild card era, who has ever had a lower ERA was was it? Uh, it was who was it? I can't Pedro. remember now. Pedro Martinez. Pedro, that's right. Pedro Martinez. That, that was in that year of two thousand when he was an absolute freak. Oh, nobody could hit him, and he, and he, yeah. that was a one point seven four. Verlander's at one point seven five. We're very much splitting hairs on that one, le- legitimately. Yeah. I mean. And then of course, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate all over Will Will Smith for uh for giving up the <laughs> giving up the hits. Even though he that did strike out the side. Like you know, but uh Yeah, he could have flipped man, the script a little bit in that inning and been just yeah. fine. Everybody would have been really happy. <laughs> exactly. I tell you what, uh my buddy was in it was there and he was so mad. He texted me in the ninth, he was like, I can't believe it. I was like he's like, you know, but I will say that J V I mean, there's nothing left to say about this guy. He is absolutely as dominant a pitcher as you will see. And, you know, he's hard to take your eyes off watching him pitch. Mm. I mean, he pitched five innings. He had 10 strikeouts. No hits. I mean, what else can you say about him? He tied a franchise record. Yeah, but he's solidified. He's the Cy Young. There's a couple of things. He he tied a franchise record by striking out eight straight batters. And when you witness that in person or on TV, it's one of the craziest things you're ever going to see because nobody is putting the ball in play. It's just one, two, three, take a walk to the back of the mound and wait for Alex Bregman to throw it back. It's unbelievable how that, that sequence actually unfolds. It's amazing to watch. Every guy just literally... Walking to the box and then walking back to the dugout is one of the craziest <laughs> scenes you'll see for that many at-bats at in a row. And, you know, to your point about the innings pitched, you know, it was 2018 when Justin Verlander, I believe, was robbed from another Cy Young. 
by Blake Agreed. Snell, who threw maybe 185 innings that season and had a 1.89. Now Justin Verlander, fresh off of Tommy John surgery, goes 175-plus innings, I think, and has himself at 1.75 ERA. All the peripherals, if you want to expand and grab any analytic you want, he's number one. So he should be yep. a unanimous decision as far as that uh, Cy Young Award is is concerned. And if anybody's going to argue that, guess what? He qualifies. He's playing within the rules, and he played them better than anybody else. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. When you play, that's the thing. They set up the rules the same for everybody. It's not like one guy has a different thing. You're all playing the same game, right? It's just yep. he's just better, and that's just Way how better. it is. And you know, speaking of numbers, I mean, we had some guys pick up some. You know, Kyle Tucker with his thirtieth home run. Uh, oh, by the way. Right on cue with Todd Callis's call, which I found really yeah. funny, where he was like, he's like, hey, he's got his 30s, and then he just, um, one pitch later, he hits it deep. And then Jeremy Pena, 22 home runs, only, you know, tying Carlos Correa for second. I mean, Pena, of, like, he is on a roll right now. And uh, they said, I saw an article in the Chronicle where they said they did worked on some mechanics of his swing. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kyle Tucker, look, he's one of the best outfielders in baseball, He's going to yes. get a lot of money in the. I hope from the he Astros and the you know as he should, but you know setting Cal Tucker aside because, and it's not fair because he is so great. But I mean, we take it for granted. But Jeremy Pena has been remarkable given the fact of the shoes he had to fill. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about a kid. Nobody expected Jeremy Pena to be the starter this year. Like they, it was sort of a, they, you know, they brought in other guys like journeyman. They thought maybe Dubon might play there a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they weren't sure who was going to be there. And then Pena's just come in and taken over at that position um, and never move him out of the two spot in the lineup either um, no. because he clearly likes sitting there. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, what do you think about Pena's year? I mean, he's been just so phenomenal with his, ups and downs like every rookie, but my goodness. No, he, you know, it's one of those things when you have a rookie like Jeremy Pena replacing a superstar like Carlos Correa, you know he's not going to get to that level. Maybe not yet in that first year. But at the same time, the expectation is get some timely hits, learn how to play the game, just kind of fit into this, uh, show his flashes of brilliance in this lineup that you're in. There's all kinds of protection around him. They had him at the bottom of the order. No expectation. Make the routine play. If there's a guy in first, turn the double play. That's all we're asking of you. And now we see him as one of the best defensive shortstops. Yes, he's going to make some errors, but so do a lot of shortstops. There's so many Mm -hmm. opportunities up the middle of the field that you expect everybody to make, but there's plenty of shortstops around the league that go out and make a ton of errors because the opportunities are increased. But Jeremy Pena has made the plays that he's supposed to. He's turned the double plays in some key situations when he's needed to. And guess what? The dude can cover some ground. He has made some phenomenal plays at shortstop where you're going, how the hell did he just do that? So that helps the pitching staff. And then you put him on the plate. It's a roller coaster ride at the dish. We see flashes of that power with that big walk-off home run against the Blue Jays Mm -hmm. early in April. And then we see a little bit of, you know, chase out of the zone. But guess Mm -hmm. what? He's made the adjustment in September. They've put him in that two spot between Altuve and Alvarez. He's flourished. He feels important. He's got purpose in the middle part of that lineup. Gotten rid of the leg kick. There's just a little waggle in the hands. And then he is ready to fire. And he's making great decisions. He has been a true star at shortstop for the Astros. And what a blessing to be able to have a guy step in like that. He's been great. 
Well, I think what's, you, you know, I think you nailed it when you're talking about, first of all, his range on defense is what really is impressive. <laughs> I mean, he's got a great a glove, obviously. Athlete. He really is. And I, you know what, what surprised me, too, is I think his range might be equal to, if not better, than Correa. He d- certainly doesn't have Correa's you could gun, you know, for an arm. I mean, Correa, that's, yeah. he's got like a cannon, you know, and Payne doesn't have that as like most people don't. Um, You're right. But in terms of his range defensively, the guy is all over the place. And you're right. Guys are going to make errors. I mean, shortstop is a tough position to play. You know, it's a it it's really a is. tough spot. And uh, and then as far as at the plate goes, I mean, what I think has been really impressive watching him over the last few weeks as he started to really regain that swing is he's obviously seeing the ball well, which is, you know, what happens when you... But like last night's swing, it wasn't exactly like a perfect pitch. I mean, that was no. on the inner third of the plate. He obviously had to pull his hands in uh, to get after that, and he still cranked at 424 feet right at the gas can. Yeah. I mean, that to me was an... I, I, I didn't hear too many people talking about her. You you guys mentioned a little bit. That was not... Ex- that was an inside-out swing, really, on the mm-hmm. inside portion of the plate, and he just took it 424 feet to straightaway... Almost straightaway center. That was impressive. No, it was normally that pitch you're talking about, that inner third, you'll see guys turn on it, try and yank it into the Crawford box. But if you're in a good position to hit, you will pull that knob through early and have that lag in the barrel that allows you to hit that ball to center field. But what I like about Jeremy is his hands are lightning quick. I think he's starting to realize that he can be patient at the plate and still be able to have that quick reflex or that fast Mm. twitch muscle that fires the bat through the zone. And that's where he generates a lot of power is in that quickness. But when he gets to contact and releases through the swing, it's almost a full body rotation where he's got every single muscle going in the right direction to launch that baseball. Because you look at him, you say, yeah, he's built. He's kind of, you know, wiry. But he has Mm -hmm. got some thump in that swing. And it's a lot of the reason is for that because that hands come through so nicely, so quickly. But then there's a lot of energy behind it with that frame that he's got. Is that something too? I, you know, uh, not to get too far afield here, but is that something too? Like, you can make up for some because we've seen guys in the past who have power at the plate who don't who aren't like big, powerful, muscular mm-hmm. guys. I mean, Kyle Tucker's not exactly in you know, you know, Jordan Alvarez in terms of size, but they have such bat speed that they generate with is that with quick hands. Is that something that guys like that can do to sort of? you know, still be long ball hitters, but yet, you know, not necessarily be, you know, uh, muscle bound dudes on the, on the field. Yeah. A lot of it is back quickness. And if you watch guys like Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, who's a little guy who Mm. generates a lot of power, they get in a good position to swing, but it's usually about that, you know, eight to 10 inches before contact where you really see that bat speed up. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where these guys are good. And it's because, Pena's good at getting the barrel to the baseball. Tucker's extremely good at getting the barrel to the baseball. Altuve is one of the best I've ever seen at getting the yeah. barrel to the baseball, number one. But he's also doing it with authority, and that's where that quickness and that that athletic ability and eye-hand coordination kind of marry each other as they get through the zone. But it's about that 10 inches before the contact point where they get that bat ready. They're starting to come through the zone, and then they recognize they have an opportunity to drive, and they just they literally speed things up and shift gears through that zone. It's really incredible to watch. Yeah, it really is. And we know after last night, the AL uh, wildcard matches are set. Um, the Astros will face the winner of the Toronto Blue Jays and Seattle Mariners. Um, 
What do you think about this wild card matchup between these two? What are your what? Where do you expecting to see and and um, who do you think the Astros are going to end up with? I think it's going to be very interesting for Seattle to go into Toronto. I'm not sure if they've played in that environment. And I know that Robbie Ray won a Cy Young last year with the Toronto yeah. Blue Jays, so he probably has some insight and probably sharing with these guys. He's he probably telling them, boys, you better be ready because you've got the entire country of Canada shoved into that Rogers Center, and they are <laughs> going to be loud. They're going to be raucous. They've got high expectations, and you've got an yeah. incredibly explosive offense for the Toronto Blue Jays. The only question is, how do you prepare for a Kevin Gosman? And how do you prepare for a Alec Manoa? Because those are going to be the first two starters you've got to go out there and try and beat to force a game three. And that could be a daunting task in that environment. Does, mm-hmm. Seattle, does Seattle have enough firepower? We know that Julio Rodriguez is a, a hyper-energized type leader at the top of their lineup who I think you know, a lot depends on what he's able to go out there and do early to try and set the tone in that environment. Um you know, is Suarez going to be able to drive the baseball? There's some deficiencies on defense for me with the Seattle Mariners mm-hmm. in the outfield, and that's where the Blue Jays like to hit the baseball quite a bit. Yeah, they do. But if it turns into a slugfest, it definitely favors the Toronto Blue Jays because their firepower is never-ending. And um, I think the Blue Jays end up pulling this out. But you're going to have to have some freak performances maybe from a Luis Castillo for the Mariners or a Logan Gilbert, you know, is Kirby going to be the guy instead of Robbie Ray? Because Robbie Ray has been kind of a roller coaster ride this season with mm-hmm. the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, I think you make some really good points. I'm. It might be the two craziest fan bases we'll see in the playoffs. I mean, between the, the Canadians yeah. in Toronto and Seattle, who hasn't been to the postseason in 20 years. Um, I th- think that's going to be something that will certainly benefit Seattle to a certain degree emotionally. Um, but you're right. I think the, the hitting is really the key in the series because neither team is is loaded with great pitching depth. Um, mm-hmm. But, you great know, point. you're right. T- Toronto just, I mean, they just send hitter after hitter after hitter up there. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be a real interesting series. I Personally, I'm with you. I think Toronto's going to be – I think Toronto – look, Toronto might ha, has the potential to go to the World Series. I don't think you can say the same thing about Seattle. Um, I think Seattle's yeah, a really – point, yeah. Yeah, they're a, they're a good, solid, fun team. And, they, you know, Julio Rodriguez is absolutely musty baseball. Good. And uh, that trade for, um, for the pitcher – it was Luis such a big Castillo. deal for them. Yeah. For Luis Castillo, for, I was trying to remember his last name in my top of my head, Luis Castillo. Yeah, it was a big deal for them. But like you said, with Robbie Ray, he's been so up and down. And I, I'm I'm with you. I, I feel like Toronto's going to win this. I think they could maybe not do it in short order. Three, you know, three games, maybe four. I think it'll be interesting when it gets back to Seattle because those Seattle fans are going to go bonkers uh, up there, and that's going to be wild to watch. Well, that's the interesting thing about the wild card is the fact that they don't go back to Seattle. It's going to be three games. Oh no, in you're Toronto. right. You're right. Three yeah. games. Damn yeah, it. Sorry you're about right. that. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. I was, and in fact, in fact, because I'm with you. My Seattle very would next, be going nuts. No, no. My very <laughs> next question was going to be, how do we feel about this three game format? So literally, you just caught me in a in like, <laughs> but like. What, how do we feel about this three game? Because you, you know we had the play in kind of game kind of thing where it was like the one game winner take all. How do we feel about like it's three games, five games, seven games, seven games? I, it's it's mm-hmm. interesting, but how do you feel about it? Well, I, we all know that 
money drives sports. And if yeah. you've watched any of the NHL and the NBA, the expanded playoffs obviously bring intrigue to the situation. And yeah. the difference between the NBA and the NHL is I think that if you have that first round buy, you can kind of get away with it a little bit easier. You know, you can go into the gym, shoot jump shots, make sure that your body's healthy because endurance is key. The NHL, I don't feel like you're going to lose touch or speed of the game, you know, as much as you do in baseball because hitters are going to be affected. Pitchers are going to be affected. The one thing you can't replicate in baseball during that time off is the speed of the game. That's where the Astros are going to have the issue with that first round bye. But that being said, it's it's hard to argue with the enthusiasm that has been developed in like places like you're talking about in Seattle, they're finally starting to sell out that gorgeous stadium up in the great Northwest in a phenomenal city. They put together a great team and now they're, they're, they're somewhat reaping the benefit of that. Granted, there's still 17 games back in the American league West. They've got some work to do to compete with the Astros, but they're in, they gave them hope. And then you have uh, in the, on the uh, national league side, the Philadelphia Phillies, they finally get in. So the two longest, you know, droughts in uh, playoff baseball have been, you know, taken away because of the expanded playoff. I think it brings intrigue. I think it, it, it might set up crazy in that second round in that division series, because I think they need to adjust the seating to accommodate the team with the best record in the national league or American league, because the Astros would much rather face a six seed if they end up moving on. But I like it in the sense that it brings intrigue and enthusiasm, but at the same time, I hope it doesn't affect a Dodger, uh, you know, a Astro or some of these other teams that really worked hard to get those number one, number two seeds. Because you know, like I do, sometimes that layoff can affect guys a little bit. Yeah, and that was the next thing I was going to ask you is, you know, the, the it's the old argument, rust versus rest. You know, how does it mm-hmm. impact you? I, the one thing I will say for the Astros, the benefit is they're going to put Justin Verlander on the mound in game one. And so yes. they are not going to have yeah. that is a big advantage. You put J- JV on there. You're not going to have to worry too much about, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, dealing with, uh, you know, facing a lot of runs. But I, I do wonder, you know, the buy situation, it is different. You know, you talk about rhythm. I think it does affect to other teams, but, you are you know, in other sports, I think it, it can. But you're right. There mm-hmm. is some of that. Are they going to – what do you think they're going to do during this downtime? Like, how are they going to uh, – I'm sure pitchers will be throwing simulated and stuff like that. What are they going to do, though, to help keep these guys in rhythm? Well, I, I, I hate to keep – bringing it up, but I have experience in this because in 2005 Mm -hmm. with the White Sox, we blew through the Los Angeles Angels or Anaheim, whatever the hell they were called at the time, the (laughs) Angels of that, of that 2005 season. Yeah. And, you know, we threw four complete games in a row to win that championship series. So we didn't even use our bullpen. We didn't use our bench and we had a five game layoff waiting to see the Astros uh, beat the Cardinals. But during that time, we had you know a unique opportunity to find ourselves in the middle of Comiskey Field trying to figure out how to stay healthy, try and stay in shape. So you kind of took that first game after the series completely off. Granted, you're you know resting up from a hangover from partying, mm-hmm. but right, right, you're also right. trying to make sure that your body's <clears throat> your body's getting back in shape. And basically, what we did is we had simulated games. We had our relievers throwing to our hitters and you know a Paul Konerko or Jermaine Dye or a Carl Everett could step in if they wanted to to get right a little bit but it was more for some of those bullpen guys who didn't see action in the in the championship series and then it was for guys like us the group four guys 
you know, that had a chance to step in and see swings, get our eyes right, see the speed of the game a little bit. But that's where you're trying to to get these guys to stay consistent with their eyes. Because if your eyes are matched up with your brain and your body, you're going to be in good shape. So I think it's paramount to see the sim games, to step in and, and face guys. Even if it's just a bullpen situation and a guy's throwing at game speed, step in against a Justin Verlander or Lance McCullers Jr. and just get your timing, get your foot down, have your eyes react to the pitch, pick up the spin out of the hand, and I think that they'll be all right. But these guys have a game plan, and obviously we know the desire's there. But the, these guys are healthy, confident, mm -hmm. and ready. These guys are going to be ready to go, man. I can imagine. they. It feels like... For some of these guys, it feels like they're going to feel like being launched off of a launch pad when they finally get to yeah, play. You know? a, I mean, it's that's a, a you know, great analogy. You, these guys, you can feel they're like they're going to be chomping at the bit. Um, obviously, it worked out okay for you know when you had a layoff. So I mean, there is, I guess, there is some precedent there. But I, I will say, it is interesting to me when I when I talk to athletes and I hear sort of what they go through and how they figure those things out. Um, I also wonder like the mental space that you have to be in because there, mm -hmm. you know, I know when you're, it's the grind of a season and you're playing every single day to then suddenly just, I mean, for any person who has time off doing anything, it, your mentality really does change, right? Mm -hmm. um, you aren't maybe quite as focused and that sort of thing. So it, do you think it's going to affect them, you know, in that way as well? What, it, what are guys going to do to keep themselves mentally focused? Well, you know, that's the biggest thing about baseball is we are so routine oriented. You have a certain yeah. procedure during a day game, how to get ready for that. Then you have a certain procedure for how to get ready for a night game. You know, there's there's a certain rhythm to a ball player's season where they they know the schedule that's upcoming. They know how to get prepared for it. So nothing really shocks them or throws them off kilter and they don't panic. There's a certain rhythm. Now, we haven't even gotten... Uh, game times yet because we have to figure out if it's mm. going to be playing against the west coast seattle mariners to accommodate their fans with some of the game times mm. or is it going to be the east coast team and the toronto blue jays where you might get a little bit better time playing later in the day to accommodate those fans so that's where the trouble for me kind of sets in because we both know if you and i know you know that everybody in that clubhouse knows that mlb is going to screw them on times they're not oh, going to give them the best 100 if which, they can play the sucks. astros yeah, if they could play the Astros at 6 a.m. on a Monday morning, they probably would. They, Yeah, it's obnoxious. Everybody knows that they try and play it off. No, this is the slotting. Give me a break. Everybody knows that they want to see the Yankees and Dodgers playing every single game every day. But mm -hmm. eventually they'll get to the better teams, and the Astros have done a good job of using that actually as motivation. But I think that's where the problem might be if there is any, is just sitting there getting ready. But what are we getting ready for? Are we getting ready for a day game? Are we getting ready for a right. you know a mid-afternoon game where there's going to be shadows everywhere? I mean, it's, it's stuff yeah. like that that can kind of get in your head a little bit. But point. these guys these guys are a step above, I think, mentally because of what they've had to deal with, it, the adversity of playing on the road and yeah. the adversity of everybody not wanting to, them to win. So I think that these guys <laughs> always have that extra little chip on their shoulder. And I mean, also when they're during this downtime, I mean, where's Fromberg going to get his peanuts? And that's the. <laughs> I think that's. I would the, say the fans, the vendors aren't going to be there, man. I know, man. That's an important question. They're going to have to ship some in. I'm going to have to get some <laughs> vendors to do a little overtime work. Yeah. Um. I. You know. You, you make really good points about that sort of like mentally. I, I. I swear. 
uh, baseball, if they could, they would put the Astros on at like 3 a.m. on the Oprah network or something just to make it difficult. Um, and, and it, 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 you know, and this is not hyperbole because the truth is it's not really about the Astros. It's really about their big market teams getting prime spots. And I get it. I do get it. Just like you said earlier, this is a league driven by money. It's a business. Mm-hmm. But it is a real bummer when it impacts how players are going to go about playing the game. You know, like it does really impact how a guy's going to make his decisions about when, what time they get up. How do you get warmed up? I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm not as good in the morning as I am in the afternoon. Lots of people <laughs> aren't. You know, it's harder yep. to, you know, have to get up and do stuff when, you're, when your body's not ready. Um, so that is that is a, a bummer, I would say. And but like you said, these Astros, they really are a cut above in many ways. I don't think you, there's any real argument that they're the best team in in the American League. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that ends up winning them the American League or not. We'll have to see. But I definitely, it, I, which brings me to a question. I saw somebody tweet this out, and I thought that was an interesting one. I'd like to get your thoughts. They said one of four, one of these four teams will not make the ALCS. Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, or Braves. Who do you pick? The Yankees. Yeah. I, I, I just, I still think they're beatable. I think they're pitchable. And, you know, something that we haven't really talked about is the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays are playing for the sixth seed. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that, but they, they're not playing their A guys. They're, 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 they're trying to stay in shape, but they are very comfortable with the sixth seed. Yep. And I think if you really peeled back that onion a little bit and asked them, and they, you know, all, you know, off the record, they might be like, "Yeah, we want the sixth seed. We want to play the Guardians, and then we want to play the Yankees. There ain't no way in hell I want to go play the Blue Jays and then the Astros. You got to be kidding me! Right. There's, de- there's a definite difference in that in in those brackets on which route might be a little bit easier. And I definitely think it's through the Yankees. And obviously, I'm a I don't know, you call it bias or whatever it is, but I I just don't I don't think the Yankees are strong enough to get through that and I think they're they're more beatable. The Braves are on, on a tear. I'm not sure yeah. if I want to be the Dodgers and play them. You know, no, I don't so it it could be really interesting, but if I had to just, you know, gut instinct, I'd say the New York Yankees are the one team that don't don't advance and that could be incredible. It's so funny you say that because that's exactly who I picked as well. I feel like the Yankees are beatable as well. Now, I could eat my words on that one, certainly. Uh, but I, the thing to me about them is I don't see them as – they don't have tremendous pitching. Like, right, I like if, when you look at those Astros, Dodgers, Braves, you've got three teams that all pitch really well. And to me, yeah. in shortened series – that makes such a big difference. You know, uh, if, you're, if you're a team that goes into a five-game ALDS and you've got and your starting three are Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, Lance McCullers, and then you have Christian Javier and, like, whatever it is, plus your bullpen, which is the best bullpen in, in baseball, mm-hmm. there's so much – there's such an advantage you create for yourself just automatically, right? Um, mm mm-hmm. And in the ALDS, because you have the time off, you get to line them up exactly how you want them. So to yeah. me, that's such an advantage. And and when you're a team like the Yankees, that I don't think has that level of pitching like some of these other teams do. I think that's going to be their weakness. And look, we Aaron Judge hit a 62nd. Good on him. Congratulations. But yeah, congrats. 
you know, but they're not, this is not, it, this is not one of those teams that you've, I, early in the season, everybody was like, oh, they're going to win 120 games. And then they came back down to earth, <laughs> you know? And I just, I, I felt middle of the season. I was like, listen, the Yankees are vulnerable. You know, uh, they're vulnerable and they're, never they're, put anything best pitcher, anybody. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, their offense, you know, if you make mistakes, they're going to hit them. But they're, but like you said, Absolutely. they're pitchable. You can go out there and, and yeah. effectively pitch to that team. We saw that with the Astros. With yep, they we led sure every did. inning of that of that series except for the last right. swing in two games. So they could have swept four games in New York, which is yep. you know, which was mind boggling. And everybody had, oh, they can't play on the big stage. They can't play in the Big Apple with that kind of atmosphere. Well, they kind of went through there, shoved and threw a no hitter. So you mm-hmm. you dispel that. But at the same time. You know, it's going to be Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino in the top three. But when your top pitcher, your best pitcher is leading the league in home runs given up. Yep. That that is a little scary because it could be either incredibly good six innings, 12 punch outs, or it could mm-hmm. be six innings, 12 punch outs and three home runs. Right. Then what do you do? That's the problem. And like you said, you if you if you have a tie ball game or you're behind or you actually have a small lead later in the game. There's the potential for a blow up in that bullpen if even if Cole pitches extremely well. Well, I think you you nailed it. Look, giving up home runs in the postseason is the thing that you absolutely have to avoid. You know, teams yes. are going to hit them, but the big inning is something you cannot have in the postseason because you can do it in the regular season because you ah eh, the game's away it's fine whatever in the postseason you can't afford to just cough up a game with a big inning. And that's why I feel like teams like the Dodgers and the Astros are so well positioned, the Braves as well, because mm-hmm. their pitching just doesn't really have those glaring holes in it. Maybe the Braves yeah. have a little bit more than some of the others, but Astros and Dodgers, I mean, they're just loaded um, with pitching. And when you have that and you can say, okay, we got our starting pitcher out of there. He gave up a run, you know, in five innings, and now we're going to come at you with. Uh, you know, with Jose Arquiti out of the pen, or we're going to come at you with um, Brian Abreu, who's been you know lights out, or Rafael Mantero, and then we're we're it's a close game, and, the, and then we got Ryan Presley on deck. Like that, just <laughs> it's just very difficult when you're the, when you're another yeah. team to because and also because look, like you said, Garrett Cole gives up a lot of home runs, but that's he pitches that's mainly because he throws so much in the zone. And his spin mm-hmm. rate has not been good ever since the you know Targate or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, spider tack. When, spider tack, exactly. But if you look at these guys, man, the Astros, they throw around the zone, but they guys just don't hit them that well. Um, and I think that's yeah. a big, that's a huge difference. And so, yeah, good call. I would, I would definitely go with the Yankees as well. Um, so last game. So let me, let me ask you a question. Tomorrow is your first official day off of the offseason. What's your plan for tomorrow? Never mind today. You got your final game. You're going to, after, like we said, after it, you need to throw all your papers up in the air. You need to walk out in the middle of the field and <laughs> hold your fist up in the air, you know, give it, get, do a little walk yep. off. Maybe they'll play Don't You Forget About Me in the background as you're, uh, as you're walking off the field. <laughs> Please don't forget about me. <laughs> exactly. But so, what is your first day off plan? It is going to be wake up, have a cup of coffee with my wife, and try and understand that I have absolutely nothing to do the rest of the day. (laughs) And I will kiss her on the forehead, tell her how much I love her, and I will go into the garage, and I will dust off my golf clubs, 
And, oh, there you uh, go. I will, I will head out to a driving range or a golf course or just start slicing and hooking everything I possibly can because <laughs> the weather, dude, the weather has oh. been so unbelievable here in Houston. And I've it's sat so there looking out that window in left <laughs> field going, man, it'd be nice to be out there right now. And so I would enjoy right. the weather. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to sit back. What What is today? Wednesday? I don't think there's yeah. anything going on, but I'm going to sit back. I'm going to pour myself maybe a nice nice whiskey, a bourbon or scotch or something, and put my feet up on the patio furniture out back mm-hmm. and enjoy that nice, cool sunset. It's going to be a good day. But uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be using that as rest for the playoffs because I'm excited, just as excited as everybody else. Yeah, Blummer. That, that sounds like a really good plan for a first day off, and I, I do not blame you a bit. And, uh, you know, we've, we've still got podcasts to do, obviously. So you still yep. got some work ahead of you um, in addition to uh, enjoying the postseason. Yeah, work. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I tell people. I'm like, I got to go to work today. I'll see you later. Yeah. I'm going to go talk baseball for an hour. It's like a real, it's a real sad uh, time in my life that I have to sit around and talk about baseball with the uh, broadcaster from the Astros. It's going to be a real bummer of a day. I got to tell you. All right. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Blummer, anything, anything else you want to get in about tonight's game? Any thoughts like on, I mean, it, it really does feel like the last day of a school year. You get the feeling like, yeah. do, were they going to call this after like five innings? Be like, all right, y'all can just go. It's good. Y'all go home. It's fine. Oh, don't don't <laughs> get my hopes up, man. That, that would just speed up the off day process. But no, to, you know, this being the last day, I would just tell fans, you know, embrace this because TK and I off air talk about this all the time. About this is the legitimate golden era of Astros baseball, even 100%. with the controversies, even with all of the the guys that are leaving. The fact that we've lost perennial all stars in this lineup, in this rotation, and yet the Astros are setting the second best record in franchise history in front of us, never mm. lose sight of how great this time is. Embrace it, love it, brag about it, talk about it, tell your kids, your grandkids. We are we are going to be talking about this generation of Astros baseball for a very, very long time. I'm grateful for it, and I hope everybody else is too, but just embrace this and ride it as long as you, as long as you possibly can. Yeah, Blummer, that is such good advice. As a as a native Houstonian, I can tell you, you don't want to. It's a bummer when it's not like this. So enjoy it while you can, because hashtag Houston Sports is not always going to cooperate with you. <laughs> so when it does, you better make True sure Houstonian you take it, right man. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, lots more to come on uh, Believe in Astros. Brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, make sure you drop over there and uh, give them a follow. Obviously, follow us. If you're watching on YouTube, bang that subscribe button. Um, hit us up on Twitter. I mean, Blummer's going to be off for the season, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be out there on social media uh, letting oh, everybody yeah. know what's happening. Check his Instagram where you can see him occasionally dancing uh, and oh, also yeah. swinging a golf club, which I hope to see more golf club swings. Uh, so that'll there be fun. Be. Yeah, stay and, tuned. Absolutely. And uh, obviously, comments, questions, all appreciated. And we will talk to you soon. Playoffs are coming. Go Astros. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.